He's Howard Eibach, a former copywriter and creative director and the author of two books on the creative brief. And he's Henry Gomez, an ad agency strategist with coming up on 28 years of experience in the ad agency world. And together, he and I are the Brief Brothers. We love talking about advertising, creative briefs, and briefing. Henry, we have another young guest with us today. She is a graduate of Mark Jensen's class at the Hubbard School of Journalism and Mass Communication at the University of Minnesota. Her name is Gabby Kinney. She is a senior strategist at Broadhead, and she will tell us more. Let's join the conversation. Let's. And our guest today uh, is Gabby Kinney. She is a senior strategist at Broadhead in Minneapolis, and she came to our attention, came to my attention, actually, because she is a fairly recent graduate of the Hubbard School of Journalism and Mass Communications, where our friend Mark Jensen teaches, and she has returned on at least a number of occasions to speak to the class. Uh, and that is that has piqued our curiosity and our interest because, you know, Henry, we love to talk to we love to talk to students, and we are now adding as a feature to the to the Brief Brothers uh, recent graduates and how their careers are unfolding. So, Gabby Kinney, welcome to the Brief Brothers. Henry and I are, are grateful to have you. Hi, Henry. Hi, Howard. Super excited to be here. Thanks for having me on. We're excited. And so what we want to do is get a, a sense of what drew you to the field of advertising as a strategist. Uh, was strategy really what attracted you at first? Tell us about how you found Mark's class. Kind of draw a picture for us of your trans, your your trajectory into where you are now, and then we'll ask you questions about your current position. Sounds good. Yeah, and I guess the the short answer to a comingly long answer is that no, I didn't I didn't know about brand strategy when I first started. Um, I started my college career not really knowing what I wanted to do. I, I went into my academic advisor on our first meeting and said, I have no idea. Help. I don't know what I want to do for the rest of my life. Yeah, and welcome to the I, club. How many of us were in that same same boat, right? Yes. Yeah. Eight, and 17, was, 18. Like, yeah, you're supposed to know what yeah. you're going to do the next 50 years. Have everything figured out on that exact day that you start college. No, but uh, so one of the best piece of, pieces of advice that she gave me was, all right, sometimes to figure out what you want to do, we should figure out what you don't want to do. So mm. she put me in chemistry and microeconomics and classes that I later came to find I was not interested in at all. But one of the paths that I started was psychology and also communication. So my mom is a clinical psychologist and growing up, she was one of the people I admired the most for just how selfless she is and how much she gives back to her community and helps people in need. Um, and so I, I knew I loved and was intrigued by psychology. What I wasn't super passionate about was the the parts of psychology that she does with like direct patient care. I knew that's something that I really admire, but it, it just didn't feel like me. And I wanted something where I could still be dealing with human behavior, but from more a business perspective. So I took a few classes in psychology and really liked it. And um, I had a girl on my, my floor freshman year and she said, I'm doing stratcom for a major. I was like, stratcom, strategic communications. What's that? Um, and she's like, yeah, it's over in the J school. I'm like, stop using all these acronyms. I have no idea what you're talking about. Journalism <laughs> school. So I was like, oh, maybe I should take a class over there. And so I, I took introduction to mass communications and thought it was really interesting. 
Um, and I have an aunt, the second woman that I admire the most. She's a creative director in the Twin Cities too. And I remember just always looking up to how creative she was and she was writing campaigns and and always had cool commercials where she was the one behind all the, the cool words. And so I kind of built a path from my two most admired women in my life, my aunt and my mom, um, and was quick, quick came to realize that psychology is a very useful skill in, in advertising. And I used that to my advantage as I went through classes and, um, and just my interest in how people think and how people, how people think and how that influences how they act and do things. My favorite class was, um, I think it was called like psychology and advertising and the whole mm. class, I was just the front row, super, just like every time they'd ask a question, my hand would be raised. I was super engaged. And that's when I knew like, okay, I need to find some kind of job that lets me do both of these things. Um, initially, like Tyrese, another guest on this show, I wanted to be a creative and I thought that's the path I wanted to go down. Um, but I did some informationals and found that brand strategy lets you still have an influence on the creative parts of the campaign, but you don't have to actually be executing any of the copywriting or designing or that sort of thing. And so I think it kind of just fell in my lap after informationals and, and testing things out when I started interning at Broadhead, which is a full service agency in the Twin Cities. I started there as a digital intern and moved into the production department for a bit and was an account manager. Still didn't know what I wanted to do even mm -hmm. after graduating college, but they were really, I was really thankful. They let me kind of jump around and see what fit and what didn't fit. And um, a job opened up in brand strategy. And I was like, that's exactly the parts of all of these roles that I've enjoyed is the thinking about people and how they, what motivates them and putting yourself in the shoes of a farmer in South Dakota or um, a doctor that works in a hospital in Chicago and all these different types of people that I've had to learn about and become really smart about interview and kind of incorporate their mindset into advertising strategy. Well, you know, I think your disdain, your, you said earlier on in this, in your answer, your disdain for these, this lingo like Stratcom and J school. It's like, come on, talk to me in English. Speaks yeah. volumes because we talk regularly about keeping the creative brief real with conversational language. So that was a clue right there for me that you're going to be a good fit in brand strategy. <laughs> you, you mentioned something that I'm curious about. I, I Maybe I heard of it and forgot or in my old age, but informationals, what is that? Is that like a... Oh. I know what that is. I used to do that all the time. You just, you go and you know, Gabby, you tell us. <laughs> yeah. Well, it starts off as cold calling and trying to get your foot in the door with folks to talk to them. And it's basically like a networking call where you can ask questions. And I had one the other day on the flip side where I was kind of providing answers to a student that asked me some questions on what it's like to be a brand strategist. So I was utilizing that. I probably was doing one or two a week just to really figure out like, do I want to go client side? Do I want to go agency side? What positions sound interesting? So I was asking, or even like work-life balance, what um, what sorts of agencies or cultures should I be looking for? And you kind of can just ask whatever and make a connection. So Henry, so, who who are you most likely to, to uh, accept a meeting invite from? Someone who calls you and asks you for a job or someone who calls you and asks you for advice? Someone who calls and asks for advice. That's what an informational is. Mm -hmm. yeah. 
Yeah. yeah. No, I, I, I get it. And I'm definitely a lot more likely than a vendor. <laughs> I get right. 50 million right. emails a day. Everybody, yeah. everybody loves to give advice. So if you call and say, I'm, I, you know, I'm stuck. I'm not People sure are flattered when, when yeah. you ask them for advice. And then they remember you because you follow up with a nice thank you note. And maybe you stay in touch and say, I, you know, I'm looking for a job. Can you put the word out? Blah, blah, blah. And all of Especially a sudden, if you ask good questions and you yeah. seem bright and you seem mm -hmm. go-getterish. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. One so, of the things that I used to do too is talk a little personal, like ask them about work, but also ask them like, are you traveling anywhere cool in the next month? And then- Can I go with you? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> can I go with you? One, one woman I talked to at Target, she said, yeah, I'm going to Italy in a few weeks. And so I emailed her probably a month later. Hey, how was Italy? Keep that mm -hmm. connection fresh, even if yeah. it's not work related, because- then she, I never applied for a job at Target. But if I did, maybe she'd remember, oh, that's- yeah. cool. But who knows, someday- you might be pitching target and she yeah. might be the person on the other end of the RFP. Yeah. It's a, it's a very small industry. We're going to have to stay in touch with Gabby Henry, because in yeah. about three years, she's going to be CEO somewhere. We're just yeah. going to, you know, <laughs> or, or, or so, operating so. officer. <laughs> so two things you said really resonated with me. And the first was about kind of brand planning being like an intersection of psychology and the ad business and, and business. Right. Mm -hmm. um, and, and I, and I think that's true. I think it's beyond psychology. There's some anthropology involved. There's some sociology involved, there's, yeah. uh, you know, all kinds of like behavioral economics involved. Uh, so all of that really appealed to me and like kind of my intellectual side, um, which kind of leads me to the other thing that resonated with me was when I first got my first agency job, my agency didn't have a strategy department. And I was like, I, you know, when there would be a vacancy, they'd plug me in and I worked in different departments and trying to find the fit until eventually I basically created the, 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 the account planning, which we now call strategy uh, practice at our, at our small agency back then. Um, but that kind of kicking around, like, until you find exactly where you fit, like I knew account service wasn't for me like that. I, and I have all the respect in the world for good account people. It's a hard job. It's an important job. Um, but it wasn't for me. I'm not a negotiator. I'm not a, you know, I'm not a follow-up detail guy. I'm more of like a big picture, show me a problem and let, I'll come up with some ideas on how to solve that that yeah. problem so i think a, a lot of people kind of luck into strategy mm -hmm. um or or they're exposed to it by chance and then they 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 kind of gravitate toward or i've seen creatives that aren't unfulfilled as creatives but they're really strategic and they make the jump to strategy yeah. I, howard and i talk all the time and he says well i'm a creative i'm a creative i'm like yeah but howard you've written two books about the creative brief what you don't understand is given the right situation, you might've made the jump into strategy because you were the one asking a lot of questions that nobody else was, was asking. So to the annoyance um, of everyone, but you know, I think there's a lot of power in that overlap when you have creative minded strategists and strategy minded creatives. Yeah. Um, yeah. That brings up two things like that I'm that that sparked in my brain is Broadhead. We actually have now that you mentioned like anthropology. My supervisor, our like SVP of strategy that I report to, she is an anthropologist by trade, and there's a sociologist on our team. So we have kind of developed mm -hmm. a team of all of the ologies, where we need someone who, if 
they need something human brain, human motivation mindset type of work done on a persona. They'll call me in and say, Hey, Gabby, can you work on this one? So we really do kind of bounce off of each other. Like it doesn't just have to be my client. It could be a client that someone else works on, but if they need a theory or something I learned about in school that they want to build on, um, they'll pull me in. And I think that's very valuable. And the other thing with kind of the strategic creatives and creative strategists, um, we've been trying to move away. I guess the terminology of the term brand strategist has been changing like from account planning and its roots, but also we've been trying to really call ourselves like brand strategy and not strategist, even though my title is technically senior strategist. Because they say everybody needs to be strategic, even the account folk need to be strategic. Um, and so we can't just be the ones deemed the strategist because everybody needs to be strategic. And there's digital strategists and there's brand strategists and, and social strategists. And so there's a lot of these jobs that are emerging. So I think we'll start to see changes in what we call ourselves down yeah. the line. Yeah, Unfor unfortunately, that's one of my pet peeves about our industry. Really? We're always we're always moving the ball on, on yeah. titles. And, and we, we, we're, we're in love with the latest thing. And it's like, so we can't be this anymore. We got to be this, like, yeah. give me a break. Like, uh, you know, <laughs> I guess, you know, I've been in it almost 28 years now. And it's, uh, it's one of those uh, pet peeves. Another thing that, by the way, you sparked me when you were talking about psychology is it's not only the psychology of the consumers, you're going to find as you mature in, in your career, and you've already matured a lot in three years, senior strategist and congratulations on that. Um, is that psychology also of clients is mm. really important. Um, <laughs> you know, creatives are not necessarily the most gifted when it comes to knowing the psychology of clients. And if you have a challenging idea you want to sell, a, strat a really good strategist is going to be instrumental in like setting up the groundwork in that kind of pre-pitch of so that the off the wall idea doesn't seem so off the wall. Um, so psychology, I think, has multiple facets that are at play when you're work a working strategist at an agency. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I want to back up and 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 talk about your evolution through school because I know you took a class by a friend of ours, Mark Jensen. Yeah. Um, and that was one of those classes that you I, did. You find that class? Did someone point it out to you? Did you just? How did was you? How did you come across? Was it? Yeah. Was it required? How did you? How did you get to Mark's class? And what came of that? Yeah, so my first interaction with Mark, I actually had a good friend of mine who was also in the major and she was taking, I think it's called like creative campaign development. The titles might have changed since then, but um, she came to me and was like, oh, there's a guest speaker in my class. Her last name's Kinney. Do you know her? And I was like, yeah, that's my aunt Beth was coming in to speak at Mark's class because they used to work together at an agency in town. And so I emailed Can't Mark. Said, I, I can't remember the name of it. I don't think it's around anymore. <laughs> But that's Campbell Mithun. Campbell yeah, Mithun used to be. I don't think it was Campbell, but okay. um, they worked together in a past life. And I emailed Mark and said, hi, can I come sit in, in on your class? I'd love to listen to my aunt speak. And he, I was so embarrassed at the time. He's like, hello, class. We have a guest in the class today. And her name is Gabby. And she's related to the guest speaker. And I was like, please, I just was trying to be a fly on the wall for this class. But 
Um, then after that, we have to take a, a class called camp, like senior campaigns or something. It's like our senior project. You, you get a client and it's usually you work with a real client. So ours was Best Buy. Um, and I wanted Mark. I knew I'd heard a lot of great things about him. I hadn't taken a class with him before. So you but like an advisor or something, or he's the teacher of the class? He's the teacher, um, okay. but there's a few professors that offer it and you have to take it your senior year. So I knew... I knew I wanted Mark and I was not wrong. He is an amazing mentor. He starts every class with resources. I mean, Howard, you've spoken in his class. You've probably seen like he'll he'll show campaign, like a, a new ad campaign that's out and the class will talk about it and he'll give resources and internships that are open. And he really provides so much value beyond just teaching topics about advertising. Oh, I, I follow He's, him on LinkedIn and it's just amazing yeah. what he posts on LinkedIn. He has been a crucial connection in the roles that I've been in and even the decisions like I applied for, like many students that want to go into the agency world, you apply for maybe 10 to 15 different agencies hoping to land an internship and kind of land your way into the industry. And um, I graduated during COVID. So when I applied for all those ad in those agency internships, um, COVID hadn't quite quote unquote hit yet. Um, and I was interviewing right when schools were shutting down and people were quarantining and staying home. And Broadhead was one of the only agencies in town that kept their internship that summer. But mm. they were the first ones that I heard back from about landing an interview. And I remember going to Mark and saying, hey, should I take this internship or should I, I, I applied for a bunch more. Should I wait and see if maybe I hear back from a few others? And he goes, nope, take it. Take that internship. You can always navigate down the road if you get an offer from another one, but take this one. And I think I, I probably, that's probably what I would have done, but to have that little kick from someone to say, nope, take this one. This is congratulations. Like you made it into an agency. You should take it. And we don't know what's going to happen with COVID. Um, he was a really crucial part in, in that. And also once I was in, but not in the right home of brand strategy, he also helped me make connections and chat with people and, and almost like garner the confidence to be able to tell my supervisor at the time, like, Hey, I really want to be in brand strategy and here's why. And can I help you if you, if there's a competitive report you need help on or a brief that you need a second set of eyes on, like he gave me some tools even for how to move once you're, once you're in or once you've landed it. Um, so he's been a really you, crucial part. You know, if I did, had to do it over again, if I had the opportunity to do it over again, I shared your commitment to doing, inf you know, informationals. And I did that. But what I could have done better was to ask to have a mark in my life. Yeah. I could have I could have connected with a creative whose work I admired and said, you know, I'm struggling. I'm not sure what to do, where to go. Could you help me? And that would have been a huge leg up because it took me, I think it took me two years before I finally landed a job in an ad agency. And once I got into the agency world as a copywriter, very junior, it, you know, the job only lasted six months. But when I got into that job, I realized everyone just bounces around from one agency to the other. Not, not 100%, but that's a reality. And it was, oh, once you're in, you're yeah. kind of in, you, your, your network that's, is sort of built in. That's yeah. the hardest part is the first <laughs> door, breaking through the first door. Right. I, I accidentally backed in through the first door which was crazy, but that's my specific, but people that are trying to get a job in advertising, I think it, it is the hardest step is getting through that first door because once you're in and you have something on your resume, then you become viable 
at any other agency. Um, yeah. All of a sudden, you know, you've got um, more of a serious book. I mean, a lot of people have spec books and I had a spec book too, and I would keep working on my spec book because it takes a while to build up an actual book, but you got that first job. It's like, okay, someone wanted you, you could work with a client, you could work internally. So you were doing the right things. And Mark, and I, you know, I agree with you. Mark is pinched hit for us. He was our, he was our sub. I, I, I need to go on vacation us. again so he can guest host. Again. <laughs> he's, he's a great guest host. He really is. So, so let's go, let's go. Go ahead, Henry. Because I, I just wanted to ask you. Um, you mentioned you're at an agency called Broadhead, and we were mm -hmm. talking a little bit before we started. And you mentioned uh, agriculture and B two B, which is uh, really my my wife works at a B two B agency. Um, a lot of people don't really see the allure of B two B. I've I've worked in B two C my whole life, um, but I did get to judge the Nebraska Addies a couple of years ago. Mm -hmm. And there was a lot of agricultural B two B in that in that award festival. It's a fun category. It's yeah, fun well, category. I mean, there was there was some really really clever and 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 mm -hmm. good work um in that cat in in that category. Um, just wanted any impressions, anything that you learned, anything that that you know. Uh, talk about B two B in the particularly in the agricultural area. Yeah. Yep. Um, so when I started at Broadhead, we were mostly agricultural clients, wide ranging anywhere from crop nutrition to like animal pharmaceuticals and everything in between. Um, but a lot of like farmer audiences. And now we've grown, we're about almost, I think, three times as big and have um, we've rebranded. And now we're um, our whole spiel is that we power the brands that transform how we eat, move and live. So eat is still that kind of historic, what we were founded on agricultural, both B2B and B2C. Um, but I would say we're, we're, I work probably half and half on B2B, B2C clients now, but I will say is that background in B2B, especially early in my career, it makes you a better strategist a lot faster because they are very, it's hard to learn an industry that you know nothing about. I grew up in a suburb of Minnesota my grandpa owns a farm, but I've never been on it. Like I didn't know anything about these audiences that I was having to learn about. Um, so I had to do a lot of work to get really smart on clients and um, interview, set up interviews that I really didn't know what I was asking and learning kind of on the spot. But I think it really propelled my strategic thinking and like quick decision-making skills faster of having to kind of learn things that I wasn't super comfortable with. Because yeah. I mean, B two C clients are exciting, and and I would love to work on a big national brand someday um, as my primary client. But I do think like B two B is just as fun. I think that I think that there's an interesting issue there with between B two B and B two C as a strategist. When you're working on B two C business to consumer advertising, it's easy to fall into the trap of I know that because I'm a consumer too. Yeah. When when you're working B2B, when you're talking about a farmer and you don't know anything about, you automatically know, I need to learn what these people, what motivates them, what they do, what are their fears, what are their hopes, what are they, you know, yeah. what are they looking for in this particular category, et cetera, et cetera. It's more straightforward in the sense that you know that you don't know. Uh, I think that's one of the big traps for strategists just generally in the, in the, business to consumer world is thinking 
I know it because I'm a consumer. I'm 21 years old. I'm a college graduate. I know it all. And therefore yeah. I know, you know, fast fashion. I know fast food. I know this. And, and you don't really, you need to get deep into it and you have to. So I, I think there's an, a, it, I think it teaches you to really know your target audience. And we talk a lot about target audience in, in the context of a brief because the creatives know even less about the target audience than you do as a strategist. Yeah. It's up to you to kind of communicate to them. This is what these people are like. This is what they, you know, this is what they're looking for. This is what they care about. Mm -hmm. And from the weeks of research I've done here are the most important things that you need to factor. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So I, I want to ask you a question here, Gabby, because this is something I, I encounter from time to time, actually more often than that when I do my workshops around the country. And that is when I encounter a client or, or I teach for the ANA, the Association of National Advertisers. I'm on their faculty. Mm -hmm. And uh, many of our members do, uh, they split between a, B2B and B2C, but some are highly focused on B2B. And I encounter marketers in these environments who are convinced to the point of not listening to me that a B2B brief is different from a B2C brief. And I, you know, I try to show them that that's not the case. Mm -hmm. What is your view on that topic? I guess if I picked out a brief that I've written for a B2C client and a B2B client, like it's in the same, we have the same ingredients. You have the same things that you need to think through. I don't think they're that different. I agree with you. Um, I think you need a target audience that you understand an insight about them and a big idea or a single-minded proposition that kind of structures and gives kind of the one thing that the campaign should follow. I think you do the same exercise. And to your point, Henry, like if you, for some of the B2C clients that I've worked on, I could have taken the easy route and just said, well, I am, I eat guacamole. So I'm not, I'm not going to look super deep into the insights about guacamole eaters because I'm a guacamole eater. But um, I think the interesting thing that I've found with B our B2B audiences are a lot smaller. So sometimes it, not that it's easier to form a generalization or find that insight about what makes up a, a majority of that group, but it can be a little bit easier um, of finding that commonality between them of something. It's a lot of a lot of the times a little more hidden because you're starting from a point of negative 10 instead of knowing a little bit about that audience already. But yeah, I would agree. I don't think that they're all that they're all that different. The briefs are pretty similar in terms of how you go about writing them. And and I would argue, uh, Howard, to your point, I think clients that are so entrenched in that kind of idea, oh, B2B is different, they're the clients that aren't not generating great creative work. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, having judged those addies where I saw some really great B2B work, really creative, and I saw some that was just run of the mill that wasn't going to win an award, um, you know, I, I think the more you treat it like B2C, the more upside there is in in b2b because what are we talking about we're talking about a human insight about moving emotion about you know you said it a big idea that's related to that human insight uh, at the end we're all humans whether we're have our farmer hat on or our you know our our you know uh what do they call the the, the guys that buy the paper clips in the in the companies the, the procurement the procurement guy <laughs> that procurement guy has you know things that he's trying to accomplish absolutely and things that he's trying to avoid and yeah and so 
Yeah. Well, next time, next time I do it, treat them like the real humans they are. Next time I do a workshop with a B2B client, Henry, I'm going to quote you. I said, what's Henry says, if you're, if you're asking these kind of questions, you're getting sucky advertising. So if you don't, (laughs) I'm sure the lovely Exactly. Yeah. I've also worked on worked on projects where you have both B2B and B2C where right. you're, I'm considering, okay, we have to get a certain product sold into another business that then sells it to their consumers, but we also have to factor in their end consumer in our messaging and what will resonate. So almost these like trickle down effects for some of some of those like B2B, B2C briefs where it's like, well, also... Like, for example, if we're targeting nurses, like nurses are also consumers. And so we've done some projects where it's like, okay, what do they do in their personal life? Because we can hit a B2B audience when they're deciding to purchase something for work. But there's also plenty of places that they are when they kind of turn their nurse hat off and they're at home on the couch scrolling social media. Um, And maybe they're not looking for work content then, but it's still important. And and you're right, because if you look at a brand and a a brand is being sold, let's say, through a third party to an end consumer, right, Mm -hmm. that brand, we're trying to create meaning for the end consumer. But then the trick is to that intermediary say, this is what it means to the end consumer, which it means that it must mean X to you, because that's what the consumer is looking for. So there's kind of a selling along the way of this is why people are going to buy this from you. Um, so I think that, that there's a nice, when you have that opportunity to work in both channels for the same brand, it gives you kind of a holistic, like we, you know, I, I work on the Ford Motor Company account and I, we, you know, we're selling to end consumers, right? We're selling the brand and the vehicles to end consumers. But along the way, there's a dealer involved, right? So it's important for the dealer to know, how this vehicle is positioned, how they could expect the, so that they're giving the same dealer experience and selling points that we as a brand at that level are, are providing to consumers. Yeah. So, so Gabby, let's go, let's go back to your, your career trajectory, because before we hit record, you were saying that when you landed your internship at Broadhead and then you, I guess you got the offer fairly quickly after that because you were doing such a wonderful job you've bounced around within a couple of departments before you landed into strategy tell us about how that all worked how did that unfold yeah so when I started I was in the digital department so I was doing a lot of um, I actually was kind of a nerdy kid and wanted to figure out how websites were made when I was 10 so (laughs) I looked at the page source and I wouldn't say taught myself HTML, but I could build like very basic websites just from like looking at, okay, what's the code and how are websites on the internet built? And so I used that to my advantage when I was applying for internships. I I was thinking to myself, okay, all of us applying for these internships have a, a strategic communications or advertising degree. We all have internships. We all probably got decent grades, yada, yada, yada. There's a lot that we have in common. And how do you differentiate yourself on a resume or a one-page cover letter and then an interview? And so for me, it was applying for internships where I knew maybe that's not where I wanted to stay, but I knew I had a leg up because of my weird, nerdy 10-year-old self that taught myself how to code websites. And so when the I saw a digital internship, I thought I could be interested in this. I'll see. So that's what I applied for at Broadhead and landed that one, probably because of the nerdy 10-year-old hobby. But 
learn quickly. It wasn't exactly what I wanted to do. I thought it was interesting, but there was still something that was missing. And so I would set up informationals within Broadhead with folks in different departments and just figure out, okay, there's that word informational again. Um, like what, what do you do day to day and how can I in the digital department support you and what you do? Um, and if there's anything that you need help on, let me help you. I'd love to learn about PR or social or strategy. And so my current supervisor, Emily Hitch, she um, is a big name in the Twin Cities. She's one of the smartest people I know. And she would give me projects of just when she was slammed and needed help on something. And, and so I became close with her through that and kind of showed my chops when I was still in a different position. Um, and then I guess that's kind of how I would move between different roles. And then when a job opened up, I was the first person she thought of, of, hey, let's let's give Gabby a shot. She's expressed interest and I know she can do it. So I think staying nimble and utilizing that free time or extra time you have outside of your current jobs duties um, to help out folks in other areas you're interested in. Wow. Well, ladies, good... and ladies and yeah. gentlemen, we need to tell you to go to school on what Gabby just said, because that <laughs> is great advice. I know if you're struggling to get that first, whatever it is, first internship, first job, you don't stop the networking once you get the job. You got to keep building that networking even within the company where you work. That's great, Gabby. Yeah. And and the other lesson, the other lesson is as you climb the ladder and let's say now you need to hire a strategist under you is look for the talent that's around you in the agency. Yeah. I, I've, I've been able to poach a couple of people from the account team <laughs> in, in, in my, because I see them and I say, this person's frankly way too smart to be working on the account team or th that there's a part of them that's being wasted. That's not being yeah. utilized. Um, and I know that they would make great strategists. And I think it's easier to plug in uh, a junior um, account person than it is to plug in a, a junior strategist. There's just some it factor that you need to have to be a strategist. And it's easily recognizable when you are a strategist. And so I would say if you're kind of a mid-level strategist who's, you know, putting together a team, look around because there's probably people already in the agency. Um, it could be a traffic you know, man, project manager could be uh, uh, a junior creative, could be uh, an account person. Mm -hmm. yeah. Another thing that I did, so because the strategy department was rather small when I got pulled into it, um, one of the things that I did is I tried to restructure my role. I don't know how typical this is, but I said, hey, I would love to give like 10 hours a week on strategy. Can I still be doing some, if there's not a role open for me now, can I still be doing my account management duties that, and kind of serving the clients that I have, but give 10 hours where I can have that dedicated towards any strategy work. And through that was able to then say, hey, I'm doing now 20 hours. I would like a title change. I don't want to be an account manager anymore. I would like to be a strategist. So it was a very slow moving process. I have seen some people, like we have a few strategy analysts right now, and they came in as strategy analysts or strategy interns. Um, so I've seen it both ways, but for my path, at a smaller agency at the time, it was not, there wasn't a job open. So I almost had to wait for one to be open and show why I needed to be that person. That you, you made, you made it happen, Gabby. Yeah. It's, it's, there's a, there's no saying in our business. Um, we need to fix the airplane while it's still in the air. We need okay, to we build, build the airplane, build while, the airplane. <laughs> while we're flying it. While we're yep. flying it. Well, you're kind of doing a version of that, building your career where it's, while it's in the air by simply adding on to, and then making the switch without landing. 
don't know if there, that's a perfect analogy, but it sounds great. Plus, mm -hmm. there's an added benefit of you get to see how the agency is working in different mm -hmm. facets. And I had that at my first agency. Like I mentioned, I was bouncing around in different roles. So I, if I had gone into a big agency in a strategy role, let's say, that would be all I knew. But since I worked at a small agency and I worked in the bookkeeping department, I worked, I helped out in the creative department. I, you know, I was a traffic and production person. I learned print production. I, I got to learn the different aspects of the business and then the business of advertising, you know, the billing, the, you know. So I, I think by the time I became a strategist, I was way more mature in terms of understanding all of the components around me that were operating in the agency. And so I have a lot of empathy for the creatives and for the account people and that, because I kind of dabbled in those roles for, mm -hmm. for a time. And I think that that helps someone be well-rounded. And if anything, a strategist really needs to be well-rounded. Like you, mm -hmm. you yeah. have to be a, a generalist really. Yeah, that was always my main, like one of the biggest questions I had when I would help on a new project is like, what's the social process? How does a job get opened? How do you start planning? Like, I was so curious about the inner workings of things outside my department because they don't teach you that in school. You learn, yeah. here's yeah. what an account person does and here's what a project manager does and the very basic surface level of those things, but not how they actually execute The things. mechanics of like, yeah, opening a yeah. job, creating a job jacket. Who yeah, someone has to do it. It was yeah. me for about a year. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So um, I want to ask you about your approach to creative briefs, but I also want to talk to you about uh, returning to Mark's class and others and hearing what the younger people are, are saying or asking of you. Let me, but, so let me start with your approach to the creative brief. Um, you, you took Mark's class and others. Do you have a particular philosophy or approach to writing a brief or, or an attitude toward it? That's a good question. I think I've seen a lot of different different kinds of briefs and every agency has a different template that they use. And it was even different than what we used in school. And um, so I think although the templates are different, like the, the ingredients are a lot of the times very similar of the types of things that you're looking for. I would say like the hardest part of a brief for me is usually that human insight mm -hmm. um, just because like I always want to tease out a few different options and and see what fits best. Um, my approach is usually like teasing out a few things and then maybe setting up a meeting with the creative director on the that specific project and seeing what sticks with them or what like I love to incorporate my creatives into the brief writing process too. Music to my ears. Because <laughs> part of the, the, what I struggle with is like, although I trust that I can do this very well, I don't want to be the only person that's influencing this at this early stage and wanting the worst thing for me is when we get half like halfway down the creative concepting phase and the the concepts don't fit the brief. And it was something that maybe we could have avoided early on if we would have had that conversation and did more of that collaboration. That's what Henry does that all the time. Yeah. We, I love referring to that. He likes talking about it. He's always consulting with his creative director. And I quote Henry all the time when I do my trainings. That's that's yeah. great. Another thing that we're currently doing with our brief is um, we haven't done it yet, but the whole strategy team at Broadhead is going to ask all the creatives, like, what's your favorite brief that you've worked on? 
so that we can kind of compile their answers and see like, what are some things that they've appreciated of the briefs that have been like their favorite to work on? And was it the most exciting project or was the, was it the most well-written brief or what's kind of those commonalities of some of the things that they've enjoyed from the briefs they've worked Smart. on there are some that are like more plug and chug, not as they're not like, you're not coming up with a big campaign idea. You're maybe doing one social post for Q4. So there are some that maybe aren't as quote unquote fun to do as the big shiny campaign idea, but um, yeah, I'll be curious to see what they say for some of their favorites. Do, do you believe that every project requires a brief? I do not. I think there are some projects that we do that are more tactical and um, we use Workfront and we'll push through things like maybe it's just slightly tweaking the image on this this specific social post or some things where it's updating the date or some of that stuff. So we push through some of that, but we have been trying to have a really good groove of like, talk with your strategist about this project. If you're not sure if it needs a brief and we will help you decide like, Hey, this is, this is a new idea and we need to do more research into that human truth or no, this is pretty similar. Maybe we just modify this past brief. And sometimes there's briefs where I don't need to be, I don't need to own it. The account person can kind of take a stab at it and I'm more of a review. So it it, it depends on the project, but I would say um, for any like big campaign idea, like the strategist is the one that's running it. But when, when there is already an existing big campaign idea and it's running and it's successful, I think that's also one of the places you don't, have, like I could imagine working at the agency that was doing most interesting man in the world back in the day. Right. Yeah. And saying, guys, we need a fresh crop of creative for everybody working on that account knew the campaign. They knew it, that was a campaign that was so well-defined in the consumer's mind. It had to be well-defined in the creative's mind. So it's not about trying to dig for a new insight or what you've already found the winning idea. We're going to keep on riding this horse until it, 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 can't run anymore um so i i do think that it just depends it's on a case-by-case -case basis based on you know what what you're trying to achieve and you're right there's tactical things that don't require a, a full-on creative brief because frankly the idea isn't going to be that creative right like it's yeah. going to it's going to fulfill some need but it it's probably not going to be anything earth-shattering especially if it's within the confines of a well-defined brand already yeah Agreed. So were you were you surprised when you were invited back to talk to Mark's class or maybe another class? Did you have a kind of an idea in your head what kind of questions you'd encounter, and did the questions you get match what you expected, or were you surprised? That's a good question. Both. They're always different. Um, this last time, so we I speak in kind of a triad. It's me, Tyrese, who was on a few weeks ago, and another um, strategist in the Twin Cities. Her name's Saskia. And Mark asked us back, it's been about four semesters now that we've spoken, um, and he loves just the dynamic between us. I think it's because we all work at different agencies, and they are very different. Um, they are both very B2C focused. Um, I kind of bring that B2B element in there, but also just the types of projects that we're working on. Like they, um, Tyrese, for example, is like very, um, he's in like big commercials and I've never actually worked on a commercial. I do like some of the smaller stuff, especially with B2B, like they don't have, they're not going to do a big TV spot. Um, and so I do a lot of like persona work and like brand frameworks and even implementing like how does sustainability fit within your organization and facilitating workshops and consulting with clients and that sort of thing. 
So we just really complement each other on the different types of advertising that we do. But this time I got a question that was very, um, I wasn't expecting it. They asked like, okay, we have a lot of senior strategists up here and you guys are very young how did you get there so fast? And that was one of the questions and it really caught us off guard because I think as people, like we don't, like we love talking about ourselves, humans do, it's just part of our nature, but you don't like bragging, especially in front of a class of students that are staring at you bright-eyed and bushy-tailed. So I, we had to think about it for a second, like how did we get there? And we we tried to just give a few of the things that we did that we thought got us there, but you also don't know. Like, I don't really know the conversations that happen behind closed doors of people of why I should be senior strategist at age 25, almost 26. Um, but I think the key wow. there is just do as much as you can and always be raising your hand when you have time. And it's kind of like being a yes and person, um, learning how to like protect your boundaries and, and, also just being super curious and willing to jump in on anything. Um, I think that's the answer that I gave of just how you can progress. It's a yeah. good answer. And it reminded me, Henry and I have talked about this before. I had my first advertising job at the age of 30, junior copywriter of 30, because I didn't know what it was. And Henry was probably, I don't know how old you were, but you were not 25 or 26. If I recall. Uh, when, I, when I started at the first agency, it was in 96. So I was 26 years old when I started. Mm -hmm. And by the time I started in strategy, I was close to 30. Yeah. Well, it's not uncommon for people to take a, a while to figure out what, what they want to do when they grow up, so to speak. <laughs> okay. Well, without, without, I don't want to put you too much on the spot, but I'm going to put you on the spot anyway. Cool. Uh, where do you see yourself in three or four or five years? Oh, that's a good question. I do really love where I'm at, the team that I'm on now. I think like the job, the like how much you're making and your benefits and all that stuff, like it's important to consider. But the thing that I think would make me leave somewhere is if I wasn't learning anymore or I wasn't getting new projects or excite, like almost just being entrusted with more, like one of the things I've really valued about Broadhead is from day one as an intern, I was being asked to presenting client presentations. Like week two, I was presenting my work that I did on a competitive report for a client. Like since the beginning, they have known like, hey, I we think you have the chops. Here's the opportunity to prove it. And there's just something about that where I've progressed fast, I think because of that, because I've been given this confidence that, hey, age doesn't really matter with this stuff. Like you can. That's you a reflection on them, but it's also a reflection oh. on you. Yeah. Because right. I don't know that in most agencies or any agency. Yeah, they might throw the ball to a, a young person without knowing what's going to happen. But I think generally they're going to throw the ball saying, from everything I see, this person looks like they can mm -hmm. handle it. And, mm -hmm. and so that's that's why they're doing it. Um, because I was, I actually, I, 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 I did an interview today with a, with a, a university of Florida student who's had for class, he had to interview an advertising person. I don't know if it technically classifies as an informational, but it sounded a lot like it. <laughs> and one of the, and one of the things that, you know, uh, you know, he, we were talking about, he's like, would you have advice? And I said, yeah, I mean, you know, the thing, what would you tell a young act? said, so listen, it can be very shitty in the first couple of years. You're going to be overworked, underpaid, and that's because you don't know anything. 
And there's a lot of people in this business that have got the right degree, the right background, and they don't get it. Like this is a business, you either get it instantly or you don't get it instantly and you'll never get it. And like, there are a lot of people that are qualified and don't get it. There's a lot of people like me who have my degree was in economics. I just backdoored into an ad agency, but somehow it did kind of click with me. So um, I, I think they recognized in you somebody, oh, this person gets it. And so maybe she'll need some help, but she'll be able to do this or, you know, and which I think is another good piece of advice is don't be afraid to ask for help. Like if you don't, if you honestly don't know, um, be able to ask for help, but you don't seem very shy. Um, no. you seem like, you seem I actually like you're... am an introvert. I'm, I was a very shy kid. And so quickly, like I learned and professors told me to make it in advertising, you cannot be shy. Yeah. And so I, well, I, it's I, not I, in my I, comfort zone for sure, but I had, I I had this conversation with my wife the other day. I don't think that shy and introversion are synonymous. I agree. Yeah. Because you can be shy, meaning you're afraid to talk to a stranger. You're afraid of uncomfortable situations, but when you're comfortable with a person, you could still be an extrovert and be shy. Mm -hmm. um, you could be somebody who likes the company of others, but you have to be comfortable with the other person. And that's mm -hmm. the way I, I classify my wife. She's, she doesn't, she won't like make small talk with somebody sitting next to her at the ballpark or at a bar. I do. But when she knows you among her family, friends, whatever, coworkers, she's very gregarious and outgoing. So I don't know that those two things, but you do have to be it to make it. You do have to put yourself out there. I think you should pat your 10 year old self on the back because that <laughs> that young that young girl, I think, has blossomed into an amazing professional. And Thank we look you. Henry and I look forward to coming back to you in you know a year three years five years and seeing where you are that's one of the that's one of the parts of this uh series that we look forward to to checking in on you so gabby kinney senior strategist at broadhead in minneapolis thank you for joining henry and me on the brief brothers thank you both it's been a pleasure good stuff henry good stuff howard he's henry gomez and he's howard eibach and together we're the brief brothers till next time